Hello, I'm Josh McKinney. Hello, I'm Evan McKinney. Welcome to Local League Big Ideas. A podcast exploring the ins and outs of baseball from different points of view. Join us weekly as we discuss and dissect the sport we love with guests from all perspectives and backgrounds. Covering t-ball to pros and everything in between. Play Play ball. ball. Hey, welcome to episode one. This is Josh and my co-host. Evan McKinney right here. Yeah, we're just, uh, we're doing a podcast here about everything about baseball, essentially. Um, It's going to be kind of fast and loose. We're just kind of going to go by the seat of our pants and just have fun with it. I played baseball from t-ball up until about high school level. And um, yeah, then, you know, you get older, you stop playing. And then once you have kids, you start wanting to coach. Yeah, I've played ball for six years now. I'm 11 years old. And I love to pitch, and I can shimmy around the infield here and there, too. I just have a great time playing the game. Yeah, so from both of us, we both have a love for it. And, uh, yeah, so now we're going to go through our our normal weekly segments that we're going to have, the first one being news and baseball. So, after suggesting a universal designated hitter for both the National and American Leagues, uh, MLB has decided not to make it a rule for the 2021 season. They're going to revisit it when the Players Association renews its collective bargaining agreement in 2022, the suggestion was for all teams to have a designated hitter that would come out when the team's starting pitcher is replaced or taken out of the game. What were your thoughts about it? I was going to say, I think we could probably, they could bring it up at some point. I mean, I don't think they should change anything currently, like right now. I mean, there's, there's a lot of ways to look at it, actually. I, I was more I'm saying, like, what are you, what are your ideas about it? Do you think – I don't think that the designated hitter rule is really going to have a huge impact on the game. I think if it does have any impact, it would be ne- negative for the role of designated hitter, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I just – yeah, it, it'll make them have to play more games with pitchers and hitters and stuff. Right. So I don't really know if that's – I don't – that rule I could kind of take or leave. The other rule, however – that still has a chance of happening this season, but could be postponed until 2022, is the having the runner automatically placed at uh, second base at the beginning of each half inning once the game goes to extra innings. They tried this in the postseason this year in MLB, and I actually thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, I like this one too. I feel like it's kind of promising, you know. It makes for fast-paced, fun games, you know, it's... It's interesting. I mean, I think there's a lot of ways they could go with this. Yeah, I liked it too. It made it so, I kind of felt like it made it so once it got to extra innings, everybody wasn't just trying to hit a home run ball. They actually, you know, you had a runner in scoring position with no outs, so you could actually try to make some defensive plays, play some small ball. It brings bunting back into the game. I thought it was actually pretty cool. I think it makes the mental game come up too. Oh, yeah, for sure. I I totally agree. So now we've kind of breezed through the news and baseball section here at the beginning, and we're going to go to... I have an interesting fact for you guys. Well, a tidbit. Um, We all know baseball legend Hank Aaron recently passed away at the age of 86. He holds the second-place title for career home runs and had a lifetime batting average of three oh five. Though he played 23 seasons, Aaron was recognized as an MLB All-Star um, 25 times due to multiple All-Star games from 1959 to 61. 
The hammer was inducted to the MLB Hall of Fame in 1982, receiving almost 98% of the vote. Throughout his career, he established himself as one of baseball's best. We'll miss him. Yeah. Well, thanks for that, Evan. Um, typically, after those couple first uh, little segments there, we are going to move into, uh, we're going to, a lot of times, try to have an interview, but sometimes it'll just be Evan and myself talking about things for this interview, or for this discussion section, that's what we're going to do. Um, so, we thought we would start with what we do in the off-season, since it is the off-season yeah. right now, um, and... Typically, what we do is we take off an entire month once we're done with fall ball. All right, it's like our R&R time. We kind of reset. I get started for the school year coming up as I'm still in grade school, you know. Um, yeah, a lot to it. I, I actually kind of like this. We mentally, yeah, mentally reset, detox almost. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And it kind of lets you take in the Thanksgiving holiday and kind of mentally get ready for Christmas and stuff without having the hassle and hubbub of playing baseball or anything. I I really kind of, after, you know, playing in the summer and playing in the fall and everything, I kind of look forward to it, honestly. You can be burned out a little bit, you know? Oh, for sure. <laughs> so after that... um. We start throwing again usually around December just to make sure that our arms don't fall off and you remember how to th play the game, <laughs> essentially. Yeah, because yeah, honestly, you don't want to go two or three months without picking up a baseball at all and throwing or anything. So, yeah, I, the we typically do try to start at least just going out in the yard and playing some catch in December most of the time. Yeah. But really, what we try to do throughout most of the off season is – we try to stay in shape and stay conditioned doing a lot of cardio and, and some weightlifting. That can be implemented through mountain biking. We can go, like, jogging and hiking. There's so many ways you can, like, bring things into the into play. Yeah, and we've got our little gym downstairs in the basement, and we, yeah, we, we definitely do a lot of mountain biking. And I that's great because, especially for you being a pitcher, doing the mountain biking, um, conditions your legs a lot, so you, you get that power down there. I mean, even trampolines can be good for leg strength, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, the trampoline in the backyard has definitely become a, a training tool. <laughs> I <laughs> totally agree. Well, yeah, pretty much after that, um, we kind of move into, like, the February time. We start to do, like, practices here and there, the ball fields, just to kind of warm up back to the idea of playing. <laughs> Um, yeah. And we do some batting practice. I mean, if it's like out of the blue, warmish day, we don't want to sting our hands. That can be bad. Yeah, yeah. The the early February stuff, it's like, you know, if we get that random nice day, it's good to get back out on the field and just kind of get the shape of the ball field back into your head, you know. <laughs> because it's like, after a while, you know, you've got to remember that you're not playing in a square backyard when you're when you're out on the ball field. Right. It's a little different. <laughs> And like you said, it's um. I, I'm glad you brought up the point about the the batting. If it's unseasonably warm, oh man, we made that mistake a few years ago. Yeah, was it 2017? Ugh. Yeah, 2017. It was maybe 30 degrees outside. I think the bat's still like kind of like sandy on the inside from that. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. You definitely stung your hands pretty bad, and you were almost afraid to hit the ball hard for yeah. a whole season after that. You shed some tears. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was pretty rough. So yeah, definitely uh only the oddly warm days in early February if we're going to uh do batting practice. <laughs> but um 
But since you pitch uh, during that time, a lot of times we'll start throwing, you know, 20 or 25 pitches from the mound just so you can start getting the feel of the mound distance back again and start to work back towards throwing form for the season. Right, yeah. You don't want to go too crazy with it because your arm's still kind of out of whack, you know. I mean, you don't want to hurt yourself. It's like stretching before practice or a game, so. Yeah, it's like long-term stretching, like way before the season right, starts. Right, yeah, like <laughs> month, or two, month or two of long stretches. But yeah. it's good, you know. Like And like I said, you don't want to jump straight back into it and do – 50 or 60 or 70 pitches in a practice because you're just going to hurt your arm doing that. Right. That comes later, like in March. Hurting your arm? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No. No. Hopefully not. Well, speaking of March, though, it's... um, Yeah, we we start practicing about twice a week for two or three hours per practice. Mix in some, like, longer, lengthier pitching practices then. Usually you should start to be back into it after doing it for like a month or so, um, yeah, we we do this like 40, th- 40 to t- sixty throws, you know, um, yeah. just to build stamina back up um, for the, for the season. Right. Once the beginning of March has hit, you know, outside of playing catch or the you know twenty or twenty five throws throughout February and stuff that we would do at practice, you haven't really thrown the number of throws that you're gonna possibly throw in a game right so you gotta you gotta build back to that and start doing that i yeah like like you said twice a week and we we typically try to adhere to the um the recommended rest rules so if we have a practice where you throw 60 pitches i always make sure that you don't pitch practice for another for like three or four days usually sometimes five depending you know yeah yeah because honestly this the the whole game's about safety and having fun, and nobody's having fun if they're hurt, you know. Right. I mean, you're physically un- unable to have fun then. Right. I've I've never understood the, especially at the little league level, trying yeah, to like push people to being. Right. The play till you drop dead kind of attitude. <laughs> oh yeah, it's crazy. There's no purpose for it, because, like we said earlier, when we were talking about the, um, when we were talking about conditioning. That and the taking the month or so off, it's that's important because really at the end of the day, baseball's a sport. Right. And in sports, you need to be an athlete if you want to play sports. Right. You don't want to push yourself too hard. I mean, you're just going to fall down faster, essentially. <laughs> well, like I was saying, you need to be an athlete because it's you. you want to be strong. You want to be able to run fast and jump high like you have your pf flyers on all the time you know (laughs) (laughs) and um and so yeah really i think it's it's good to really just reset and just get back to just making sure that your 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 strongholds of physicality are still there and your abilities to be physical and be active are still there and tend to work on those things very true um i think this might be the most important part of the season i mean then you know, or at least one of them. Oh, yeah. Off-season preparations, it's almost just like, you know, solo practice for when season's coming up, kind of. But it's it's a lot of mental practice, too. Oh, yeah. You have to get back into the head games. But then in, um, but then kind of, sorry, we digressed a little bit. But back into March, we, um, we also start doing some longer batting practices then. And we mix in hitting weighted balls and tee work with our batting practice so we can see if there's any weird load issues or 
you know, follow through issues and things like that with batting so we can get those worked out. Right. Sometimes you like see th- something on the internet and you'll like, you'll like try to like adapt and like change all these things with your form, <laughs> you know, and you kind of have to work those little kinks out later. Oh, yeah. And I know one of your signature moves every off season, and I always give you so much grief about it, Evan, is you pick one little silly thing to change about how you hit or throw. And it's usually some weird little tick or hiccup or something like that. And it usually takes us the whole off season to get it out of you. <laughs> uh, it's all in good, na- good nature, you know. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> I, re- I remember one year you um your thing was uh, – you kept dipping your hands down before loading, and it was making you late on your swing. I remember when I tried to, like, kneel when I was hitting. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Oh, it was like, will you marry me? <laughs> and, it, and it's and it's not like it's – and it's not like you learned it from anywhere. It just, for some reason, just kind of gets in the back of your head, and you start doing it. It's and, and we've all been there, you know, as we were growing up. I can't remember any specific instances of my own, but – I'm sure that I did silly things like that, too. Yeah, I've got none, nothing to give you grief about. I'm there. <laughs> you have plenty to give me grief about. You know that I can't throw a batting practice to save my life. Ugh. I mean, maybe you can get it there in the 50s, but that doesn't matter if you hit the kid. <laughs> <laughs> well, I try not to hit you guys, and that's part of the problem. I was never a pitcher, so you know I'm not as in tune to the strike zone from the pitcher's mound as you guys are. But you know what? I'm going to take a little credit on this one. I think the reason that you're such a good hitter, at least contact-wise, is because of my poor batting practice throwing. Yeah, we kind of have to jump around a little bit, you know, like, <laughs> find our spots. Well, I feel bad. Like, well, eventually, by the end of the season, all the teams that I coach end up being pretty decent hitting teams. And I think it's partially because I can't throw a strike and they get so bored at batting practice that they just swing at everything. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of factors. So, Lord have mercy on the other team if it's in the strike zone, because they're just going to kill it then. Ugh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well. Um, so, yeah, our, our local league where we play begins in March, and uh, we usually feel pretty ready for the season by this point of our off season. Right, yeah, that's when draft day comes up and, like, all the beginning of the season, like, early practices and the team stuff, too. It's pretty nice, yeah. I, I always feel like I'm in tune with myself, and... Yeah, and it's nice to have like kind of slowly come back into it over the course of the off season and of everything. Course. Yeah, because then, um, yeah, then you're you're just you're ready to actually play with people. Then you've worked out your own kinks. You've figured out what things you want to do for the next season. You can even set goals for yourself. You know, another thing we like to do um, is like in February and March when we're starting to get back into the practice regimen. Um, it's nice to like bring like a couple friends from the league along with us. You know. To like try to get get passes with um I mean yeah it's it's oh just yeah nice. little uh little group group practices with uh with your friends it's it is nice to kind of do that before the season starts because it kind of it, it lets everybody that's going to be playing against each other kind of see where everybody is you know it's it it gets the little competitive spirit lit under everybody a little bit oh yeah <laughs> it's fun so uh yeah just some uh now coming up just some general reminders. Don't forget to register with your local Little League or any local league that you're affiliated with. Um, Many of these leagues start their registrations at the beginning of the year and hold assessments in February or March, typically. Also, be sure to volunteer with your local league if you're able to. Uh, 
rec leagues especially have tons of preparations to do for each season and have lots of things that need to be done during the season itself. Um, everything from coaching to concessions. Uh, these organizations are typically manned by volunteers. And the more volunteers, the better the league will run and function for everybody. Because, I mean, there have been seasons at some leagues where, you know, if you don't have enough volunteers, you might have 25 kids on a team. Yeah, it's <laughs> like it's like a college class. <laughs> yeah. And if you have that many uh if you have that many people on a team, you know, you might not even get through the whole batting lineup in one game. Yeah, or the season. But, yeah, point is, it's always good to volunteer if you're able to. They'll always love the help, you know. Right, and not just the help. It uh, it it shows the kids that you're involved and you want to be part of their lives. And it, and it builds a sense of community, too, because it shows the other parents that you want to be involved. Right, be like that. <laughs> well. So, well, thanks for being with us. Um, Join us next Tuesday. We will talk to Chris Clark from Central Chesterfield Little League about COVID-19 protocols and concerns for their upcoming spring baseball and softball season. Yeah, thank you for tuning in. That's all I have to say. (laughs) All right.